Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another WTF1 podcast. Today, we are discussing the new calendar. But first, before we dive into that, I'm, of course, Matthew Gallagher. And joining me to my left, as per always, but not really to my left, it's Tommy Bellingham. Hello. WTF1 founder. How are you? I'm good. F1 is... Nearly back. Well, we've got a month, but I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And that light is the 2020 Austrian Grand Prix. Yeah, and the time of recording as well. We've seen the Mercedes Formula One car fired up and going around Silverstone uh, today, isn't it? So um, emotional. Awesome to see, to hear some engines again. Absolutely. It's been a long time coming, say that. Absolutely. So we are discussing some Formula One, some actual topics about Formula One, which is very exciting. And it's about the calendar. So we have, is it eight confirmed at the moment, races? We do. So it's, uh, for anyone that hasn't seen, I'm sure everyone has, because we were all very hyped when the news came out. But it's Austria, then Austria again, Hungary, Silverstone, Silverstone again, Spa, Belgium, Monza. And that's all we've got so far. So far. I imagine there will be more uh, races added as things get better in the world. But we're discussing, does it favour Red Bull, the current calendar and mm. the eight that are currently confirmed? Uh, it's something that's uh, an interesting topic of conversation. Uh, and uh, we've actually got a few uh, in- insights for- from you guys. So at Daniel Skews F1 says, I think Red Bull put the calendar together. At Nacho Common underscore guy says, double headers at non-Mercedes dominant tracks might make Hamilton's title chances harder to get. And at Nick underscore Smith 49, would hotter races like Spain in mid-August hamper Mercedes like we've seen before? So I guess uh, to the first one from Daniel, uh, I think Red Bull put the calendar together. I guess it seems that way in a, in a sense of that they appear to be tracks that Red Bull, or at least some of the tracks that Red Bull have either won at or, or done pretty well at. Um, I would argue, though, that the teams have had a lot more or they haven't obviously had much more preparation because of the the lockdown and shutdown that they've had. But in terms of looking towards the the races, that they'll be able to mould their development slightly differently uh, in the run up to the the start of the season on the 1st of July. So for me, I I don't think it will be as Red Bull favoured as everyone's thinking, because it's just a completely different way of of looking at things, isn't it? It's a completely different calendar. It's it's a really weird one, isn't it? Because the calendar obviously got announced and the first reaction from everyone was, of course, joy and hooray, we have some F1 to look forward to. And then I found it very strange that that quickly started to see more and more messages of people saying things like, oh, well, this just favours Red Bull or this isn't really a proper calendar. The, The person that wins the title doesn't really deserve it and things like that. And personally, I I don't really buy that. If any, if anything, I'm looking at the calendar, and yes, Red Bull have done well in Austria, Red Bull do well in Hungary. But if if you look at if you look at it overall, Austria and Austria and Hungary, you'd say maybe Red Bull might be better there. But then you've got a double header at Silverstone, which Mercedes are really it hasn't good at. Really, ever been a Red <laughs> yeah. Bull track, has it? Yeah. Uh, 
then Spain, which Mercedes always win, and then Belgium and Italy, which definitely aren't Red Bull favoured tracks. So it's a bit of a weird one. And I've, I've been seeing this a lot of people getting very hyped and, you know, as someone that is rather um, a passionate fan. fan, not a fanboy of uh, Max Verstappen. Yes, I would very much love it if he could have a championship challenge. But I think we're very easily forgetting just how we felt after F1 testing when we saw just how quick Mercedes were. And it's insane how quickly it's gone from, oh, the season's over, Mercedes are going to trounce it to now suddenly Mercedes are on the back foot, which I don't quite yeah. believe mm. personally. Rubbish, yeah. I think that's uh, not not exactly how I think it's going to pan out when we get to, to Austria. I guess it's because people look at the first race and they're like, oh, well, it's a double header Austria. That's a Red Bull win in both of those races and then Hungary as well so I imagine they're thinking of the momentum that Red Bull will have but as you say not even half of the or half of the races will be Red Bull dominant in terms of when we look at the past and and I don't think the team's forms will be the same anyway due to my previous point of how they'll prepare for those races because you know Austria usually comes in sort of the middle of the calendar doesn't it and that's after Mercedes have won the first eight or nine. So maybe Austria was never one that they've really prepared for before. Uh, But with the fact that they now have two, two races around there and it's at the start of the season, maybe, maybe we'll see a slight change in form around there. Um, Nacho common guy obviously said about double headers at non Mercedes dominant tracks might make uh, double headers. uh, Yeah. It might make uh, Hamilton's title chances harder to get again. There's there's a double header at Silverstone. So the other, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's almost even the fact that, You've got two two Austrian two Austrian races in Hungary, which okay, say Red Bull win all three. You'd say double header at Silverstone and a race at Spain would be very much Mercedes. So yeah, don't don't really see that personally. I mean, the less races naturally means that it's going to be a lot closer because Mercedes won't. Even if Mercedes win a lot of races, the points gap isn't as high. I mean, personally, yeah, I would love if maybe Red Bull or even Ferrari get a bit of a head start on Mercedes and then Mercedes have to work for for it rather than the last couple of years where they've sort of smashed it in the first half and everyone's been trying to play catch up. So it's going to be interesting. I don't, um, you know, even with the whole Austrian thing and Red Bull being dominant, you just you just never know. We've We've not seen any 2020 race pace yet. So it not, might not necessarily pan out exactly like last year did. Exactly. And the final point about Spain being hotter in mid-August. I mean, it's a good point that Mercedes don't tend to do as well when the track conditions are hotter. But again, that Spain is never, well, apart from when it's testing and it's uh, snowing, <laughs> uh, Spain is never usually cold anyway when they go to it. So uh, I mean, I August know, I think... though is going to be absolutely boiling in August in Barcelona, my days. I, I'm, but yeah, yeah. But then, then we have, yeah. I guess if if you then liken it to Austria when it's really hot there as well. But then, is it uh, any hotter struggle, than? But... Um, well, I say Bahrain. I know they do do that in night where it's a bit cooler. But you you have had races in the daytime in places like Austria, and there have been really really hot races where Mercedes haven't done too badly. So it's going to be a, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting actually to see Spain in that heat. Hopefully. I guess from a from a neutral F1 fan side, let's hope that spices Spain up a bit because it's not been the greatest of races, has it, Spain? No. 
So how will the double headers work? At Mega Muffin says, what will they call the second of each of the Austrian and British Grand Prix? The 2020 Austrian GP2 COVID boogaloo. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't quite understand that. Didn't catch on. Um, no. Sorry? Yeah, they, they, they've not named it that, unfortunately. No. And at a underscore doctor underscore who says something about the second races at the Red Bull Ring and Silverstone needs to be different. Otherwise, they'll be boring. Obviously, there's been the, the, the chat of reverse grid races mm. and changing the format slightly, um, which I am completely and utterly for and, and, and most of the teams were. But then there's that whole debate of if it's not unanimous or Mercedes oh. don't like it or Ferrari don't like it, then triggered they 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 uh, they basically say no to it, don't they, Tommy? Yeah. Uh, just just a quick one then, if people don't know that the um, back onto Mega Mega Muffin was it? Yeah, Mega Muffin. Mm-hmm. Um, the second Austrian race will be called the Styrian Grand Prix, which I believe Styria is. I hope I'm saying that right. Is the state in Austria where the Red Bull Ring is. And then Silverstone 2 will be the 70th anniversary Grand Prix, which they've decided to call it, obviously. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they've, That's what they've called, called them. it. Um, so, yeah, the the Silverstone Fair. 2 will be 70th anniversary Grand Prix, which will hopefully be a lot better than the 1000th Grand Prix that we had in China, where there was all that hype and it wasn't particularly great. So... Um, that's what they have named them. So they will, ha- they won't be called Austrian Grand Prix Two, for example. Um, but yeah, Fair. but yeah. Okay. Um, back to reverse grids. Yes, uh, I mean, massively triggered. I'm always very triggered by that. The fact that the the thing annoys me so much about this whole team thing, and I've said it so many times that. I don't like the teams deciding the rules. And the argument I always seem to get when I write something like that on my Twitter, the always reply is, well, we need the teams in F1 and, uh, you know, that we want them to stay in F1 so we don't want to kind of piss them off, which I understand. But the thing that annoys me so much is how one team can just completely scrap an idea. So if you're, the team should have some kind of input whether whether we do certain things but the fact that one team can just say if we're not doing it and you have nine versus one and it goes in favor of the one that just seems daft to me really yeah, especially because of course mercedes aren't going to want reverse grids because they build their car around getting pole position that that we know how bad they are in dirty air so of course that was never going to be something they'd want to do yeah, it's like, it's like in football, for example, if every single Premier League team apart from Liverpool said, no, nah, you know, we're, everyone else is saying let's restart the season. Liverpool's like, no, nah, I want to finish it there. We want to win the title mm. or whatever. And then they go and do that because one team don't don't agree with it. it it's just mad. It, it's, it's crazy to think that that is still a thing in Formula One. It's, it's such an old school kind of it's so, strange yeah. ruling, isn't it, that... It just you'll never please anybody in life, let alone Formula One. So I don't understand why that's there, because surely then if the nine teams all kind of want it or are very much in favour of it, that's then annoying them slightly. So I, I don't know. I don't get it uh, for me personally. And I think that's something. And I think Ross Braun as well mentioned that he doesn't want that to continue in Formula One and Good. the fact that one team can veto such things. So the Mercedes... Fingers crossed in the future, maybe. Yeah, the Mercedes... Uh, so Toto Wolff actually came out and said why he was against it and obviously believed it was quite artificial. I think um, for people that don't know, did you actually see the proposed reverse grid? And it wasn't it wasn't actually a reverse grid race, which a lot of people maybe thought it was. 
it was actually reverse a reverse grid race for qualifying, which I think for me is the perfect proposal. This is even more why I'm gutted they didn't do it because reverse grid races maybe are maybe too artificial. But for me, what they were so so the pro the plan was going to be that they'd have a reverse grid race on the Saturday in reverse championship order. So uh, Latifi mm. and Russell would be at the start. Yeah. Uh, on pole and you think if you think you have a quick race even if it's quite a short race we've seen it so many times when mercedes get when a mercedes goes off at the first turn or a ferrari they get their way through the field pretty quick don't they within 10 laps they're up at the front so the people starting at the back like a hamilton a bottas leclerc they're gonna finish at the very least maybe fifth or sixth in that race well, it depends how many laps. But it depends it? how many depends laps. If it's a short sprint yeah, race, yeah. But because... they're gonna they're gonna get through the field, so they're not they're not going to be dead last after. Well, a that's sprint an, race. it's an interesting point though, because you say that, but in my head, because they're reverse championship order, then they're not going to probably get to fifth or sixth, especially if it's a sprint race, especially if the pace difference isn't two really fast guys at the back and then slow, 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 all the way to the front, which is fast again. It's not that way around. So you, mm. they'll be behind the Red Bulls. They'll be behind the Ferraris. They'll be behind the Renaults, the McLarens. And in a sprint race, I don't see that they would get so far up the grid, especially if it's 10, 15 laps, whatever. Yeah. Uh, interesting. It's, it's interesting. difficult. Like we've seen, yeah. we've, especially if it's around a difficult circuit to overtake, I, I, I think they would struggle more than maybe people think because it would be a completely different kind of reverse grid mm. because of the fact that it's in championship order true but they've got that the, i think the the thing i'm trying to say is they've got two races almost to get to the front so it's not like you're giving them a huge disadvantage they're probably going to get so even if they get mid-pack they're going to be mm. mid-pack on the qualifying grid and then they'll still probably get to the front because we know the advantage of the top three teams it, it is a little bit artificial but my my argument has always been i personally i don't i don't mind qualifying but i would rather see qualifying change i think the key to making racing better is qualifying and i know it's a traditional thing but for me when you look at qualifying people always it, the argument of reverse grids and stuff is it isn't fair well i'd argue that how is it fair that you're giving people that already have a huge advantage putting them at the front because we're always going on yep. about how difficult it is to overtake but there's probably no wonder we don't see much overtaking in formula one if the quickest guys start at the front and the slowest guys start at the back how you it that doesn't that's not a recipe that makes good overtaking it's like giving a football team like you say go back going back to football which we always do um <laughs> liverpool are playing a pub team and you go, well, Liverpool are way better, so they should be 3-0 up at the start. That just seems ridiculous, doesn't it? So yeah. you're giving them that massive advantage, Mercedes, already by starting from pole position. Why not try something new, especially for the second race? Yeah, I agree. I think I think the reverse grid championship order race, I don't know. I, I don't think, I don't feel like it would have much meaning for fans as much. I, I don't think that I think it would be like a cool thing to try and I'm all for trying new formats, seeing what sticks, seeing what doesn't. And this is the perfect platform, I think, uh, with how the season is going to go ahead to try this. But yeah, I, I think that would maybe be a bit too artificial and also a bit like, oh, you know, that's just for qualifying. 
Mm. Um, F2 have shown that a reverse grid of the top eight works an absolute treat. And I, I don't think, I don't understand why they haven't tried to implement that this year because it's not too artificial that eighth place can't win the race. But it, at, at the same time, it's good. At, it, it's, it mixes it up enough to, to keep it entertaining. The, so the reverse I, grid, I, yeah, argument has always been that's why the F2 one works. The reverse grid argument has always been, well, why would you? you just qualify last, wouldn't you, to get the reverse grid and things, whereas that stops it in F2 that they yeah, do it. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, who knows? It's a shame that they're maybe not trying out as much as they can, just down to the rulings and vetoing, and it's just it's just rubbish. But, you know, Mercedes will come out with any kind of rubbish, won't they, really, to say that, you know, oh, it's artificial, it's not good for the fans, whatever. You know, we know that that's not their reason, yeah. and they will never say the I, truth. And, they? and but, uh, you can't really blame them because at the end of the day, F1's a competitive sport. And yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're the not party. Go, Will we shoot yeah, ourselves in the foot? The, I know they're the party poopers, but at the same time, if you're in that situation, it's like, Mercedes, do you want to start last when you've got the quickest car? No, I don't think so. Why would they ever agree to it? <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. of course, they're going to say no, aren't they? We interrupt this WTF1 podcast very briefly to chat about this week's sponsor. We've had them before. It's Beer 52, and they're offering a free case of eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTF1 and cover the £5.95 for postage. Each case is delivered direct to your doorstep, so no need to leave the house. Looking to stock up? Now's your chance. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to every month. Each month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea and all over the USA and Europe. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. Don't worry, though, if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. And remember, you have to be over 18 years old. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTF1 to get your first case of eight beers for £5.95. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTF1. And remember, you have to be over 18. Let's get back to the WTF1 podcast. Right, let's move on. Uh, I think we've kind of covered Bride Rise's conversation, uh, uh, conversation question, which was, would you like to have seen reverse qualifying races to spice up the format yeah, to, uh, yes. of back-to-back races? So we've pretty much covered that. Next up, new races. So at Beth Smith, how badly do you not want a Sochi doubleheader to happen? So to put it into context, there's been more conversation of how the calendar will continue on after these confirmed eight races. There's been a, a double Sochi uh, thrown into the mix. There's been Imola, Mugello, which has much, been much more uh, taken in by fans, uh, much more positively. Yeah. Uh, but firstly, on the Sochi side of things, yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, we can't be picky. No. If if it works for a reason and, you know, Sochi have said, look, we'll, we'll have a double header there, fine. But I think that's when you look at the track and you look at the previous races and go, okay, maybe we should test something out of that track. I don't know. I think it won't be great by any stretch of the imagination. But as I say, I don't think us as fans and and Formula One themselves, they need to fit certain criteria for broadcasting rights. They have to hit like 18 races or whatever it is. They need to hit certain tick boxes. Otherwise, Formula One is going to be in a huge, terrible situation moving forward. So we've got to have that in mind as well. It's not just purely entertainment. 
if people if people think that the calendar favors Red Bull, if we get a double double header at Sochi, that's Bottas definitely not champion. the case. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because yeah, we are we're obviously F one fans and we're desperate to see Formula One back, but at the same time, double double race at Sochi, not what we want to see. I think the proposed plan was uh, so back to the Mugello thing. This now seems to be getting some serious traction. This Mugello idea. So mm. because the current calendar ends in Monza, they're now obviously looking at how they can fill that grid and. They originally proposed that they were going to go to Asia and then um, maybe the Americas as well. But if that's not the case and they have to do all these races in Europe, they're going to start adding things like Mugello, Hockenheim, Imola, things like that to add to the calendar. And it seems like Mugello is now a very, very strong possibility that we could be racing at Mugello after Monza, which would be pretty crazy. And it'd be the thousandth race for Ferrari, wouldn't it, yeah. at Mugello, if that was yeah, the case. Dead with. Um, so, yeah, very interesting. And and that's the quite positive thing, I think, for a lot of F1 fans is that we get in these tracks thrown into conversation that we would never have even dreamed of racing around at Formula One in, in, in any sort of uh, future years uh, in the next five or ten years. But, you know, you've got Imola being thrown into the question, which would be sensational to go back there uh, and... It's crazy that these 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 sort of uh, circuits are even being uttered, isn't it? Yeah, but, um... imagine. I'd love to see Imola back. It's probably not Imola and Mugello seem like one of those tracks where they're not going to be the greatest for overtaking. Maybe a bit like Zandvoort, but to see modern F1 cars going around there would be pretty incredible. And maybe maybe that would favour Red Bull again. So. <laughs> But we don't know. All speculation. Yeah. I haven't been there. So uh, next question at Das Ector Jan or Jan says, does the Corona cri- uh, crisis give the chance for older circuits, which aren't in the current calendar to make a comeback into 2021? Yes. I think we've pretty much covered that. Um, Maybe not 2021. Depends how um, this year. Certainly. Depends how they do. And, depends, yeah. and I guess, well, I say yes. I didn't mean it as uh, I actually read that as 2020. But yeah, 2021, I, I suppose... It really depends on what financial situation yeah. all the circuits are in, and because this whole like situation has has thrown uh, the cat amongst the pigeons in terms of finances. No, none, no, no circuits in January, February planned for this. So uh, we don't know, do we? But it it could it could be thrown into the, uh, into the the equation if for whatever reason F one look at this circuit and go, wow, you actually brought in a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? That twenty. 20- uh, th- this season is going to be so strange, but the more this goes on, the the more it's maybe looking like things could still be very strange in 2021 and we might have the same kind of situation where they have to completely rethink the F1 calendar. I think we did, well, I can't remember when it was, uh, maybe a long time ago, we spoke about a calendar where to save on kind of air mileage and all this kind of stuff that it would do the continents almost in order. So rather mm. than like skipping back and forth around the world and going going a bit crazy. And maybe this has almost triggered that that might be the F1 calendar of the future and we have to do it this way, which might be, might be the way it has to be. Food for thought, Tommy. Mm. Food for thought. It's an interesting one. Obviously, we'd love to know what you guys think in the comments section below. There's going to be lots of speculation as to where we're going to end up uh, by the end of 2020. How many races are we going to have? Will that change the calendar in the future as well as uh, Dasek Tijana asked as well? 
it's it's an interesting one, but I think uh, we've pretty much covered it, haven't we, Tommy? Have you got anything else to, to add in this kind of quite short podcast, but still covering off quite a, an interesting topic of, of Red Bull potentially leading the championship and winning? But I don't think that's the case. Yeah, it is quite interesting. Um, now we've kind of gone through this podcast and we're talking about the fact that we don't know what the the races are going to be. That's going to be a really interesting dynamic in the championship, whether in a month's time when we do actually go racing, will we know the calendar? And back to the whole Red Bull, does it favour Red Bull? It would be interesting if, say, Verstappen wins both races in Austria and Hungary and Mercedes have a bit of a shocker. Mercedes go into those next races and say we're in, still in the same situation. It's going to be really interesting to see how they approach the next few races and people like Lewis Hamilton going for the title. Would he go absolutely balls to the wall because he might think, oh, there's only four races left. I need to do this. Or does he, it's going to be really strange when the, the, the there's a championship battle going on and we don't actually know how many races are left. So it's always going to be really hard to judge how the championship. Yeah, I don't think he'll be saying there's four races left after the first three. I think we're going to have a, a few more than, than eight races well, uh, yeah. on, the, on the calendar. Yeah, but um, in terms of um, how many, because, you know, we, might, yeah, get planning, to 10, we might get to 10 races and then, you know, maybe in a month's time, are they are they saying, right, we are going to add the Americas, the Abu Dhabis, or or if they they cancel mm. it, suddenly a uh, 20, uh, maybe a 30-point lead in the championship, you think, oh, it's all right because I've got six races left. And then you yeah, go, yeah, yeah. oh, actually, I've got two races left. I bet <laughs> I should have pushed harder in the kind of European spell. So Yeah, you make weird. a good point, actually, because Lewis Hamilton has sometimes been guilty of not turning up at the start of the season. And, and that's something that... He's absolutely going to have to do this time around, uh, even if we are starting in Austria, where Mercedes will potentially be on the back foot, as we've mentioned already. But it will be interesting to see, as you say, how Hamilton looks at this. Does it? Will he have a mindset of the start in Austria is actually halfway through the season and he'll just come out the blocks absolutely on it, as we've seen Hamilton do so after maybe the first five or six races where he's some even behind Bottas or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I'll be interested to see how that happens. Bottas as well. He, will his mindset be, well, this is probably my only opportunity now to win a world championship. My seat is very much up in the air at the moment. This whole championship has thrown a lot of people off kilter a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I imagine there'll be a few more dive bombs and a few more I have to win this race in order to put myself in the conversation. So very intriguing. I cannot wait for Formula One to come back. I'm sure you can't as well, Tommy. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's maybe this kind of crazy situation could be the spicy kind of, as we're not getting a reverse grid, maybe this is the situation where we don't know how many races we're getting, who it's going to favour, racing at tracks that are not the usual time of year. It's going to be very interesting. I cannot wait, and I'm sure you guys cannot either. Uh, that's pretty much it. So let us know who you think will win the World Championship, and they will deserve it. It doesn't matter if there's 15 races, 14, 16, 17. I know we won't look at this championship as the same as the others, but it is going to take, for me anyway, in my opinion, it's going to take even more mental toughness in some ways in order to have come out of this whole situation, come out the box blocks fl- uh, firing, and win the championship. So... I, I would have to say that it's 
it's worthy. It's a worthy champion. And would you agree, Tommy? Absolutely. And I can see someone like Lewis Hamilton absolutely kind of thriving in in this kind of situation he, he you're not a hamilton fanboy though you're a verstappen fanboy I know, so uh, but he's just just in case the yeah, comments yeah, start yeah. flying yeah, exactly in. but no he seems like the, the kind of person that you can never never count hamilton out can you and even when people are on his back and don't think he starts the season well or they're saying he's too distracted and other things he just gets gets it done so yeah it's going to be really interesting season and i'm just desperate for racing to get back now. Can't wait. Absolutely. We're not far away now, the start of July. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, watching, wherever you are on uh, Apple Podcasts or on YouTube or whatever. Make sure you give us a like, give us a thumbs up, give us a comment. Let us know what you think because we're very interested and we love a conversation, but no arguing. Okay, be good. Also, make sure to check out Beer 52, the sponsor of this podcast. And that is it. You have to be 18 or over. Remember for that. Don't be under 18, okay? I'm pointing at you. Cool. Right, Tommy, thank you so much for your time and your 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 plen- your, your pleasure, your <laughs> company, your... I don't know what I was trying no, to say, I to be honest, know. but uh, either way, uh, I miss you yeah. and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see each other soon, I'm sure. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, bye, bye, guys. Bye, bye Tommy. Bye, bye guys. Bye, Tommy. Bye.